So let's get to it. Let's get to it. This is weird. You guys seem far away, but it's okay. We're going to get to it. This is the conclusion of the offseason. I know a lot, of, a lot of my people in the room are like, yeah, it is. Football's back this week. That's what I'm talking about. Well, that's not what I'm talking about, but I'm grateful for that too. Amen? Amen. Amen. Dallas Cowboys looked real good this week. I'm excited. I'm excited. Yeah, I know I got, yeah, I know there's some people with me. Let's go. Let's go. All right, that's enough. I don't like to limit nobody's voices, but that's enough. No, our series right now, our series right now is called The Off Season. It's called The Off Season because there's this thing that happens in the summer. There's this thing that happens when it gets hot outside or we get a little bit of free time or, or you know, the kids aren't in school or whatever. There's this, there's this phenomenon that happened that churches all over the world drop in attendance in, uh, over the summer. Isn't that crazy? And it's because there's like this weird mentality that we have where like summer is some type of off season. Summer is some type of like vacation season where nothing else matters but, but, but where, where I stick, prefer to stick my toes in the sand at. And, and the reality is, is when it comes to our fa- vacation is wonderful. Praise God for vacation. I can't wait to take vacation. But the reality is when it comes to our faith, when it comes to our walk with Jesus Christ, there is no off season. There isn't one. And even if you ask an athlete, a professional athlete, hey, when's your off season? They're going to chuckle at you because they're like, there ain't one. There is no off season because you know what the off season's for? Working hard, training your butt off, and getting better at whatever it is that you do. And so what we wanted to do for the last several weeks is we wanted to kind of take a walk through what our off-season should be like. What are the daily disciplines we can put into place to make sure we're getting better, to make sure we're getting stronger, to make sure that whenever that next storm hits, we're not falling back with, with whatever other debris the wind pushes away, but rather we are standing firm because we know where our identity's at. We know where our foundation's at. We know what God placed us here to do. And so we're going to go ahead and stand firm and tell that storm to get up out of my face because I know my Jesus. Y'all not feeling me today. That's okay. It's because I'm far away. We'll get over it, though. We'll get over it. So the second week of the offseason, we talked about prayer. We talked about how we need to invest in the daily discipline of prayer because prayer is just our open line of communication with our Heavenly Father who put us here. Amen. So we need to be daily investing in time to not only talk at God, but be ready to listen to what he has for us to say. I don't know how many of you in this room have actually began to uh, implement that into, into your life, but I'll just speak for me personally. Um, and, and for me, it started, I got off track a little bit, but it started back again when I was in Bolivia. I got up way earlier than I, than I needed to, and I began to take time away from everybody, which I'm an extrovert, so that's hard for me. I like to be around people. People are my thing. I love people. But I took time away from everybody to just sit in peace and listen to God. And my days since then have been drastically different, drastically different. There's just something so uplifting about that feeling. I'm not going to re-preach that sermon, but you can go back and listen to it online, thirdstreetchurch.com, shameless plug. 
The week after that, we talked about what it is to have a consistent and daily attitude of gratitude. It's amazing what can fall into place for you. It's amazing that when you wake up in the morning and, the, and your first breath is praising God, it's amazing that when the first thing you do is thank God for where he has you, it's amazing the things that fall into place after that. It's amazing the perspective you have after that. And then last week, last week was wild. Y'all were here last week, right? Last week was crazy. We had our, uh, our uh, creative arts director uh, went ahead and brought the word because who better to talk about worship than he who leads worship every week, right? And that was, that was, that was incredible. I'm sorry that we're taking a step down uh, this week because, you know, I don't have, like, the nice presentation stuff that he has. I mean, that was dope. Um, but he talked to us about how worship isn't just about singing. Worship isn't just the, 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 the 15 to 45 minutes before the preacher gets up there. That's not what worship is. Worship instead is everything we do for the glory of God. It says if you're a teacher, then teach. Teach for the glory of God. It said if, you're, if, if, if you see dreams, if you, if you prophesy, then prophesy in the name of Jesus to the glory of God. Whatever it is that you do, every time we give of our time and of our effort to God, that is worship. And so what does it mean for us to put into place daily our worship? What's up, everybody? Hey, yeah, kids going on a walk today. Amen. Amen. Where are their teachers at? No, I'm playing. I saw them. I saw them. I saw them. This week, this week, what we're going to be talking about as we conclude our series called The Off Season and launch into the next one is the spiritual discipline of disciple making. Okay. Disciple making. You might be saying already, you lost me. I'm out. Nope. Pastor, that's not me. I don't have, I don't, I don't have time or that's the, that's the extracurricular. That's a, see, there's levels of the church and that's a, that's a level that I'm not at and and, and, and honestly, all around, Pastor, I'm not really a leader. So when you talk about disciple-making, when the Scripture talks about disciple-making, that's talking about a select group of individuals that I have not opted into. Has that been anyone else's thought in here? My friend John Morris would say that a leader is anyone with influence. And we all have influence. We all have influence. As well, we all have been influenced. You don't believe me? Let's talk about my week. I'm the father of two little girls. Sometimes that's frustrating. Oh, I'm the father of two little girls and two older girls. I was just corrected. And a lot of times, if we're going to include them, a lot of times it's frustrating, right? A lot of times it's frustrating. And I may not, I may not uh, give the, the parent poster child reaction all the time. And it's not until my youngest daughter, Kaylee, who just, I mean, she, 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 she follows me around and she just, she's just in that phase, she's two, she's in that phase where she just repeats everything that she sees and hears. And, she'll, and it's not until my little two-year-old girl looks up into my eyes and says, Daddy, why did you say gosh dang it when you threw that cup? I'm like, Kaylee, 
mind your business. But then a few minutes later, I see her get mad at her cram because she breaks it. And then I hear, gosh, dang it. And then she throws it. And I'm like, dang, I did that. I did that. As parents, we have such significant influence on our children. And our children have such significant influence on us. I've seen every episode of Peppa Pig. It's not like I did it on my own. I've been influenced. (laughs) It's the worst, too. (laughs) Our teammates, for those of us who have been or are currently athletes or our co-workers, if you will. How often do you head into practice or head into work thinking today is going to be an awful practice? Today is going to be an awful day of work. And just maybe you can stop at Starbucks on your way and get your coffee and, and feel a little bit better about the day. But then as soon as you get there and your teammates or your coworkers are having a bad day and they're talking about how bad this day is, all of a sudden you have a bad day. You ever felt like that? It's because we're influenced. And we have the ability, our bad attitudes also have the ability to rub off on our teammates or our coworkers. We influence other people. What about your friends? You guys ever been hanging out with your friends, just watching something or doing something together, maybe sitting out by the fire, and then one of them goes, I'm hungry. And all of a sudden, all 80 of y'all are crammed into a car and in a line at 2 a.m. at Taco Bell? All because one person was hungry? You're not even hungry. You're just along for the ride. And then you get up there, and you hear the person in front of you order a chalupa, and you're like, you know what, matter of fact, uh, I think I will get a chalupa. That ever happened to you, or is that just me? We're so easily influenced. What about our community? I think the most depressing thing I see on a weekly basis is when I see teenagers buy in to the negative narratives that have been spoken about our city. They begin to believe that they can't because blah, blah, blah. They believe that they are. Because on CNN, the person who looked like me said, that's the most harmful thing, hurtful thing that I think I come across in in a week. We have all been influenced by something. We are all currently influencing something. I know that might feel hard to believe, but I need you to go with me because I'm going to show you this morning how it's biblical. And this is so important because, guys, let's just keep it real. This walk is hard enough to begin with. It's hard enough to do what Jesus asked us to do. It's hard enough to grind on a daily basis in a fallen world and maintain a Christian witness. It's hard to drive on 77 at 5 o'clock and maintain Christian witness. It's hard to live in Canton during Hall of Fame week when all these people who don't even know where they're going are stopping out of stinking nowhere all up in your way. It's hard to maintain your Christian witness during that. Amen? No, y'all making me feel like a bad pastor up here. Come on. Without somebody walking alongside of us or showing us the way, And then us doing that for other people, the church will become extinct. Without us modeling the way or without us with models with which to watch, 
the church will become extinct. For me, following Jesus, the moment I got saved at 19 years old, for me, following Jesus implied changing cities, changing schools, and changing friend groups. I had to move out of the city that I loved living in. I had to leave the university that I loved attending, and I had to get out of that friend group. Because if I'm being honest, and this is just me, I'm not trying to put this on nobody else, but for me, I had to get out of there because that environment wasn't conducive to my Christian witness. I was too young. I was too immature. I wasn't able to hang on to my faith and exist in that environment, so I had to get out. What you expect me to do without people surrounding me? Thank God. For Jason, my boss now, the visionary leader of, 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 of Rivertree, of which we're a part of. Thank God for Jason. Because without his invitation to Canton, without me following him around for a few years, I don't know where I would be. Thank God for the brotherhood. Shout out to those of you who are sitting here. Garrett, Delu, Dish, the rest of the boys who aren't able to make it. Thank God for the brotherhood. Because without them... Knowing that I'm still a Christian and I can have a bad day too when I come home, without them also having bad days and trying to maintain their faith, without them, I don't know if I make it. Thank God for my wife. Hey, thank God that I was in a relationship where the woman that I was with wanted to know Jesus just as badly as I did. Thank God for that. So this morning, we must make a decision. Are we going to continue to haphazardly and carelessly influence those around us? And are we going to continuously, carelessly allow other things to influence us? Or are we going to begin to be intentional about those things? Let's go ahead and jump into the text. If you're with me, let's go to Matthew chapter 4. It is the first book in the New Testament. So when you go to the New Testament, bow, it's like right there. Go ahead and flip to chapter 4. It's big number 4. We're going to drop down to little number 17. And if you have your electronic devices with you and you can fight off the temptation of the devil to stay off of Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and or Snapchat, you feel right ahead and open that Bible app on your own. For the rest of us, it's on the screen. Let's read. From then on, Jesus began to preach, repent of your sins and turn to God. For the kingdom of heaven is near. One day as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, also called Peter, he's pretty famous later on, and Andrew. And they were throwing a net into the water, for they fished for a living. Jesus called out to them, hey, come follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets and once at once and followed him. A little, a little further up the shore, he saw two brothers, James and John, sitting in a boat with their father Zebedee repairing their nets. And he called to them too, hey, y'all can come too. And they immediately followed him, leaving the boat and their father behind. This is the word of God, the gospel of our Lord, and it is true. So Jesus opens this section with a proclamation. Now he had just gotten through his wilderness period. He had just gotten through going toe-to-toe -to -toe with the devil, and he stood tall. And so what he said is, yo, I've made it out, so here's what I need everyone to know. The kingdom of God is coming. The kingdom of God, the alternative kingdom. 
You think this world is bad. You think this world has fallen. I got good news. There's a kingdom and it's on the way. There's a kingdom where your tears are tears of joy. There's a kingdom where there is no hurt and pain. There's a kingdom where, check this out, there is no death. Everybody lives together in perfect presence with our Lord once and for all. That kingdom is on its way. But to be a part of it, there's some things we got to get together. There's some things we got to, we got to, it's like I always say to my little girls, I love them to death, but sometimes you just got to look at them as a dad and be like, hey, baby, it's time to pull your life together. Jesus says there's a kingdom coming and it's time to pull your life together. And when the kingdom of God interrupts your life, when you have those moments where time stands still and nothing else matters, you just hear God so clearly or he just did something in your life so clearly. When the kingdom of God interrupts those, those, those moments, when the kingdom of God interrupts your life, it calls for immediate response. Jesus wants to call us to be closer to himself. Jesus wants to call us to be more like himself. But there's some things we've got to change, huh? I don't know about you, but I don't look like Jesus. At least not all the time. And there's something strange and also pretty beautiful about this situation in general. See, in this culture, in this context, it is very common for professions to have apprentices and disciples. Discipleship, they might have called it something different, but it's a pretty common practice. But the difference was it was like kind of on you, the one who wanted to be discipled, to go and seek a teacher. But what this teacher did was he came and sought them. He came to their level. He came to get them. He didn't say, I'm not waiting on you to figure out that you need me because that might take a while. I'm here to let you know that you need me and I'm inviting you to come be like me. I'm inviting you to come be with me. Jesus breaks custom and goes to them just like Jesus breaks custom and expectation and comes to us. Jesus says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Isn't it interesting that Jesus didn't look at these fishermen and say, follow me, I'm going to make you dope teachers. Because they weren't teachers. What were they? Fishermen. So what did he tell them? I'm going to teach you how to fish for people. I'm going to teach you how to use what you already do, what you already know. I'm going to teach you to use where you are already at to go ahead and win lives back to the kingdom. That's what happens if you follow me. I don't need you to look a certain way. I don't need you to have a certain profession. Not all of us are going to be pastors. But I do need you to follow me and know how to use what you already do, how to use where you're already at, how to use what you're already gifted in. Because, by the way, God gifted you in those things. I need you to know how to use those things to advance my kingdom. And here's the craziest part of it all. Here's the craziest parts of it all. They listened. I mean, you're like, I mean, yeah, it was Jesus. But, like, they didn't know that. Think about you going about your everyday, your everyday life, your, your job at the hospital or your job at, at, at McDonald's or your job wherever it is that you're at. And somebody just comes up to you and they're like, hey, drop what you're doing. That stuff's got to go. you got to come with me. Uh, No. That's pretty immediate for me. I don't know about you. 
But there's got to be something about Jesus. You ever just look at somebody and be able to tell that there's something different? This man comes up out of nowhere. I don't know where he just was. I don't know his name or what he's about. He didn't introduce himself and shake my hand, and so I felt the power of the Holy Ghost. I don't know none of that. He just said, come follow me, and there's just something about Jesus that makes me want to say yes. There was financial risk involved. Jesus, this is my livelihood over here. There was family risk involved. Jesus, I got children. There was social risk involved. People look at you kind of crooked. But there was just something about Jesus that made them want to go. They left all of that comfort and certainty. They left it all to follow that guy. Jesus is calling all of us to become his disciples. Right now, in each of our situations, at our job, our school, our home, our relationships, there is something that God wants to do there. Do you believe that? Right now, God is asking each of us to give up control over whatever it is. He's asking us to let him teach us how to use our situation for him. And there's, guys, there's just something about the one who's doing the asking. There's just something about him that is so miraculous that his story has withstood time and all attempts to be silenced. There's just something so good about the one who is asking and he wants to extend that goodness to us so that we may extend that goodness into our situations. Into those who also inhabit our circumstances. Are we willing to respond to that goodness? Are we willing to, for Jesus to be our main influence? Are we willing for our thoughts to be his thoughts, our words to be his words, our money to be his money, uh-oh, our job to be his job, our dreams to be his dreams? Well, guys, as we have already established, we can't do it alone, so let me ask you this. Who's discipling you? Who do you look at? I mean, yeah, Jesus, but get out of here with that fuzzy squirrel answer. Who is discipling you? Who is the person that is allowed into your life? Who's the person that's allowed to challenge the bad and is the first one to uplift the good? Who is discipling you? And guys, there's risk. There's crazy risk involved with this lifestyle. I've got no time. I've got kids. I got blah, blah, blah. I know. Me, me too. There's risk involved with this lifestyle. There always is with God. God never asks you to do something where you don't have to leave something else. That's for free. There's always risk involved in this lifestyle. But when we opt into a life of being disciple, a disciple of Jesus, he will not disappoint. Let's keep reading. Check out verse 23. Let me show it to you. Through the end of the chapter. Jesus traveled throughout the region of Galilee, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. And he healed every kind of disease and illness. He, news about him spread as far as Syria, which was like not close. And people soon began bringing to him all who were sick. And whatever their sickness or disease, if they were demon-possessed or epileptic or paralyzed, he healed them all. Large crowds 
followed him wherever he went. People from Galilee, the ten towns, Jerusalem, from all over Judea, from the east of the Jordan River, from everywhere, crowds, masses followed Jesus. So the disciples began their lives of following Jesus around. They followed him all over the place, and everywhere they went following him, they saw Jesus do things that defied cultural bounds, logic, and even modern medicine. That's what they got to witness. Because they were willing to follow Jesus, the disciples were front row witnesses and first fruit beneficiaries. Meaning, they saw some incredible miracles, and oh yeah, they were also wildly blessed. When we actually become disciples, let me put it like this. When we actually proclaim the presence and coming of God's kingdom. When we actually proclaim and demonstrate God's authority over sickness and evil. When we actually live out and pass on the teachings of Christ. Then God will do some wildly incredible things. God wants us to see him at work. God wants to bless our socks off for being obedient. God wants to use us to perform his miracles. This place is a miracle. Third Street itself, which we pray will be an influence in the community until Christ comes home, is only possible if a few people are willing to count the cost and dedicate their lives to following Jesus. This place is only possible. If Nate and Courtney avoid all the temptations of the world to go be the king of, and queen of wherever, because they could, they're dope. But to listen to Jesus and to sit right here where they're at, this place is only possible. We're only gathered here. If people like Deshaun and Jordan are here to balance everything out, to be the consistent, loving, shepherding presence. Not because Canton is more luxurious than Portland, Oregon or anything like that. But because they listen to Jesus and follow Jesus. This place is only possible if Garrett and Denise come back from Oklahoma City. Oklahoma City, for those of you who may not be familiar, is not close. But they followed Jesus and what that meant for them was following them to Ohio. And Third Street's only possible. Because each of us in here on some level has had to listen to Jesus and has made the conscious decision to follow him above worldly wisdom. Being a disciple of Jesus is a wild ride. Sometimes you don't feel safe. Sometimes you feel a little dumb because this don't make no sense, Jesus. But for those of you who are willing and ready to step into the lifestyle of a disciple on the daily. He won't let you down. Amen. Flip with me to the end of Matthew. Chapter 28. We're going to bookend Matthew today. It's dope. I love Matthew. You should read what's in between. Jesus does some wild stuff. But for now, we bookend it. Chapter 28, we're going to start in verse 16. Let's read to the end. Then the 11 disciples, oh, all of them didn't make it. Well, that's life. Then the 11 disciples left for Galilee, going to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some of them doubted. That's life. 
Jesus came and told his disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. How much of the authority? All the authority on heaven and on earth. Therefore, those of you who took the Herman Yudas class this summer, which you got to ask yourself whenever you see therefore. What's the therefore? Therefore. Means it's about to jump. Means you're about to have to do something. So if you don't want to do something, stop reading. No, keep reading. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands that I have given you. Love your neighbor. Love your God. And be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So the resurrected Savior, the hero in the story. Y'all don't think there was something about Jesus back in Matthew chapter 4? Let me show you in Matthew chapter 28. Because in chapter 27, my man was dead. But in chapter 28, he wasn't dead no more. You don't think there was already something about Jesus? There's something about him now. You ever know anyone to pass away? And then the next day they pop up and surprise you at dinner? Me neither. Jesus did that though. And so if somebody tells you all along, I'm going to do some wild stuff. If somebody tells you all along, I'm going to get up from the dead. And you're like, this man's off his. And then he does it. You're going to listen, right? All of a sudden I'm hanging on every word that guy says. Because, hey, there's something about that dude. And this is his parting command. Make disciples. Make disciples. Not a suggestion. Not like a, hey, if, if, if you don't find some time in the next week or two, could you just go ahead and, uh-uh. Not like put it on your to-do list and eventually get to it. It's not like high, pro no. His parting command, command. Is go. Don't just sit here and talk about how crazy that was. Don't just sit here and worship what I just did because it's worthy and I'm worthy, but don't just sit here and bask in it forever because I need other people to know about this. Don't just scream it with your bullhorns on the street corners for everyone to hear. That's dope too, but I need people to be able to walk this out. I need people to be able to get into the text and understand what I'm saying. And guys, there's real life circumstances. Don't believe me? Check the numbers here. There's only 11 of us. There was 12. And so I need you to get out there. I need you to be with people. I need you to make people look like I've made you look. I need you to make disciples. Anything else? No, that's what I want you to do. For those who are Jesus' disciples, the expectation Jesus set was for you to make disciples. Who are you discipling? Maybe you haven't been all that intentional about it, so let me ask you this. Who are you influencing? Who do you have pull with? Who is uniquely open to you in a way that they're not open to anyone else? 
God has promised us that if we go out into the world, if we go out into our jobs, our school, whatever, as ones who have been sent, if our theology says Jesus has sent us, if we go out with that posture, what he has promised us is that we will find not chaos, that's just the world. He promises that we will find peace. That there will be somebody who offers peace to us. And when we find that person who offers peace to us, when we find that person who's uniquely open to us, when we find that person that just for no reason just loves us, our job is to stay right there, to invest in that relationship, and to make disciples. Like I said, we can either continue to influence those around us on accident, or we can begin to do this on purpose. Because this is an expectation of being a follower of Jesus. We got big dreams here at Third Street. Like big dreams. We got a medium-sized team and really big dreams. We genuinely believe that God wants to see this community, that God wants to see this city united. All the people who grew up in different pockets of our city, all the people who look just a little bit differently than the person next to them, all the people who have just a little bit different of a background than somebody else, all the people united under the one banner that unites us all, and that's the banner of the family of Jesus Christ. We believe that. We believe that God wants to renew the hearts and the minds of every individual. For me, especially young men. Because young men in our city who have been renewed in their hearts and their minds are presents for their women and children. And men who are presents for their women and children make families whole. And when families are whole, a whole family is a dangerous thing. It's a beautiful thing. It's a God-intended thing. And we believe that God wants to renew the narrative of the family in Canton. And we believe that God wants to restore our beautiful city. Don't come at me with something's wrong with Canton. Don't come at me like there's something inherently bad about my city. It's not like that. We just got some work to restore it back to the way God would have wanted it in Genesis chapter 1 and 2. We just got some work to do. But we believe that as people's hearts turn back towards God, not towards whatever it is that they're currently tilted towards, we believe that this community will pick up. We believe that things will be flipped around. We believe that people will want to come to Canton, Ohio, not because the Hall of Fame put some money into it, but because the people of God showed up and said, no, Satan, not today. This is my house. We believe that. It sounds wild. But that stuff is only possible if people choose to invest in those around you. If we opt into being invested in. Because how are you going to disciple somebody if you've never been discipled? I, can't, I don't have time to go there, but take that one and process that one later. If we choose into those things. That is what's going, that's, that is God's salvation plan for the world. So if you're here this morning and you have never accepted the opportunity to follow Christ at all, then in a couple minutes during prayer time, I want you to come up and I want you to receive prayer with one of us.
if you have never accepted the invitation that Christ so freely offers, not to pave out your roads like fresh on 12th Street, but to give you a wild ride that always pays off. To give you some words of challenge and encouragement that never return void but always come to path, pass. If you would like to receive the invitation, the yeah stuff's going to get crazy. But God's in control. God's about to do something dope and you get to be a part of it. You get to overcome addiction. You get to overcome the, 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 the troubles that have weighed down your heart for so long. And then you get to turn around and do it for other people. If you would like to receive that invitation that I ask you to come up for prayer in just a minute when we offer it. And for the rest of us, if you're, if you're bold enough and honest enough to say that I've accepted Jesus, that this is the man that I choose to follow, that Jesus is the ultimate and I want to follow him wherever that is, well, we got some stuff we got to get in order. First of all, who's discipling you? Is there somebody who can speak in your life? Is there somebody who knows the real you? Are you following them as they follow not like a how-to book, but the Lord. And have you made discipleship of others a top priority? Maybe there's some things that you're like, man, I can't, I can't disciple people right now because if somebody got too close, they would see some stuff and I just don't want nobody to see some stuff. We got to clean that up. Maybe, maybe you don't think you have time. Well, let me encourage you. Jesus... <laughs> No, I can't, I can't, I can't today. Let me encourage you to be more creative with your thinking. Let's be more creative with our thinking. Maybe you don't think that that's you. Maybe you don't think that you're a leader. Well, a leader is anyone with influence. You have influence. God has created you in a specific way to have influence in a specific niche. Get your butt in that niche and make some people look like Jesus with relationships. And we will only see the dreams God has for this community brought to life if we are people who are dedicated to these disciplines on a daily basis. A people that when we wake up in the morning, we get ourselves right with God and get ourselves ready to be sent out into a world that does not know him. And when we come back home at night, we come back knowing that we help God's kingdom make more impact on the world than the world was able to continue to make on us. Let's pray.